Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha. And in today's quarantine edition of the Coast to Coast Podcast, we're going to be talking about the release of Riot Games' Valorant and its closed beta, as well as Season 3 of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And we'll get our takes on those. Um, but how's quarantine going, Kyle? It's going pretty well, actually. Um, again, I'm only really quarantining when I'm not at work because yeah. my life is being, I guess, as mentioned before, an essential person, I guess, that I am still going in into work. Um, but how's it going for you? Learning like new things, doing odd things around the house? Yeah, I mean... I, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I've been furloughed. So I've been kind of partly looking for jobs, partly helping to contribute to kind of a queue of episodes we're going to be releasing for Coast to Coast. Um, but besides that, I've been reading a lot. Um, I have been trying to get through the anthology of Game of Thrones for some time, and I'm like very close to the brink of finishing that, um, which is exciting. And at this point, it's also diverged pretty f- pretty far from the plot of the show so it's like actually kind of new and engaging content oh well that's good yeah and then i uh yeah kind of filling my time watching netflix um i watched a movie called la originals yesterday Mm -hmm. um that is basically about kind of the la hip-hop hip-hop movement and chicano culture and it's the story of this like hip-hop photographer who became friends with a world-renowned tattoo artist called Mr. Cartoon. Are you familiar? I know you have some tats, so... Um, not familiar with, with that person, no. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. He like t- he tattooed a lot of, you know, like Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, um, and their story was really cool. So if you guys are kind of, you know, passing the time like most people are on quarantine, I'd, I'd definitely recommend it, although um, if you're not like a big like rap or like counterculture fan, you probably won't like it too much but yeah also uh, if you are looking for things to watch um hbo did come out with free content so you do not need an hbo subscription to watch certain things on hbo so if you've kind of been looking to get into hbo or just kind of see what their shows and movies are about then you can go to um, their website and it'll give you a list of everything that's available to watch for free um and i think it's like for the time being like there's no end point and again you don't have to sign up you just download the hbo go app and you can just start watching yeah i didn't know about that another mm-hmm. cool kind of show of solidarity um for people affected by this virus and everything mm-hmm. i think it's one of those like heartwarming things to see businesses do things that are kind of innately human rather than like cold and rational so yeah and i think cool. that um ties in well with one of our topics today um riot games new first person shooter valorant um they yes. had a, an interview with a few of their developers and they talked about when their scheduling for the beta would happen and they kind of took this opportunity where everyone's at home um to kind of release this closed beta earlier than expected i don't think they meant to launch it probably to like the end of april early may um, but again, people are at home. They need something to do. Why not, you know, play this new game that everyone's been looking forward to? Yeah. And should we, so should we go ahead and dive into Valorant? Yeah. So we both have been looking at this game for the past few weeks, maybe even in months at this time. Um, but it's supposed to be this new super exciting highly optimized esport game and i think that is what they're tailoring it for it it is tailored for the competitive nature for it to become an esport because that's that's what riot is about with their league of legends which is definitely one of the highest paid and played esports game ever yeah and so everything we've known up until this closed beta coming out is that it's a sort of 5v5 tactical shooter much like um counter-strike which of course has been popular for decades um but it's also you know where it's borrowed from csgo's gameplay and structure it's also kind of drawn on overwatch's and i guess also a bit of league of legends like hero characters and abilities Mm -hmm. um 
So what we've seen is something that's not really like what we've seen in, from any other game before. Um, but this new closed beta, um, which was released on Tuesday, was really our first glance besides like 10 second clips of the game that has been known as, I guess, Project A for quite some time. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you're right about the quarantine making this beta so successful and, you know, kind of taking advantage of people kind of <laughs> not in like a bad way captive in their homes right? Um, to get a taste of what this game is like from the big streamers and for those lucky enough to get um, like key drops from the gamers or from the streamers that they've been watching. Right. So in order to have access to this closed beta, you have to have essentially this access, this key drop, um, which in order to get this, it is completely randomized. It's you have to tune in to twitch.tv, which is, if you don't know, it's a streaming service. Um, and you have to watch um, streamers and content creators play the game and just hope that you get an email or a notification says, oh, you've been selected to play because you've been watching this person for X amount of time. So um, that kind of is where our roads kind of fork is because I was fortunate enough to get a key drop where you and some of other friends are still um, on that stream grind. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny because like after the way that the key drops you know, the way that you won when them was released, a lot of pandemonium ensued on Twitch. Um, people were kind of scrambling to figure out how you get these drops. Some people, of course, you know, what the internet is good for, they trolled others into thinking that there were certain ways to get key drops by dropping things in a chat a certain way. Um, but yeah, so you, uh, of course, were lucky to get that beta access and have been able to play a bit. I've been watching since last Thursday when streamers were allowed to share their gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what we know from so far is that, like again, it's very similar to CSGO and Overwatch kind of borrows a lot of those same elements. Um, we've got 24 total rounds requiring 13 rounds to win a match. So a little bit quicker, faster paced in Counter-Strike. And we also know that each character has essentially like a four ability structure. So there's like a primary ability that you get with every round. Um, there's two that can be purchased in the buy menu, much like you would purchase a smoke or a flashbang and call it Counter-Strike. Um, and then there's an ultimate ability, which is very much like Overwatch, where um, you kind of build up the charge for your ultimate over certain rounds or by picking up orbs flying around the map. And then um, it's like your most powerful move. Um so you've obviously had a chance to play the game. Uh, I've just been kind of watching at a distance. What are your observations so far? Well, even though there are 24 total rounds, um, you still, like you said, you have to win 13 of them to win the match. So there are no ties like Counter-Strike. Um, if it does end up being 12 to 12 at the end of the 24 rounds, then you do have to play one more to be victorious. There are no ties, which was... Something mm-hmm. I didn't realize until it was actually in the game. <laughs> um, however, I think players that are kind of used to playing, you know, Call of Duty, Apex Legends, or even even Fortnite are going to come mm-hmm. into this with a bit of a learning curve. Yeah. Um, one of the main questions that I've seen or some feedback is, you know, why am I and everyone else moving so slow? Um, right. And that's because, you know, Counter-Strike has always been a more tactical shooter. And I think valorant will likely further kind of popularize that style of play and even just within seconds it's immediate um immediately clear how this game is is certainly tooled for that slower more methodical strategy mm-hmm. um but it's it's mixed with almost a quick and like responsive type of play as well um so i think the aiming the guns the movement are are very smooth, a lot smoother than Counter-Strike. Um, and I think most importantly, the most prominent ambient sound is your opponent's footsteps. Um, and I think, I don't think, this isn't a game meant to like tell a story or like sure. suck you in or anything like that. It's, this is just a game and you know all you just need is to pick up your, or I guess use your mouse and keyboard and just 
use your senses and and play. Um, but those yeah. are just my initial my initial upfront opinions. Playing the game, what are your kind of upfront viewing opinions? Yeah, I, I think you're right about the learning curve for like Call of Duty players or Fortnite players that the game's a little slower. Um, even Overwatch, which is a pretty fast-paced game, even though they borrow some elements from that type of game, it still feels much slower paced than any of those games. Um, you know, despite the fact people are using special abilities. Um, I think it's cool because, you know, when you think about CS, so much of what you see at a really high competitive level is like players memorizing smokes or flashes and then using those in coordinated ways to take a bomb site or, you know, get the upper hand on an enemy. And there's still a degree of that in this. Um, you know, there's a lot of characters that have what would you, you would essentially call like a smoke ability or at least just some sort of screening uh, of vision. Um, but there's also things where you can put up walls or you can use like toxic gas or things like that in very similar ways to Counter-Strike where you use them to try to take a site. Um, I think what is going to be a big learning curve, especially for competitive CS players, is how to balance the amount of tactical shooting skill that you need as well as balancing out your composition um, with the different agents that you're able to select um, and also figuring out how to use each agent's abilities not only in a coordinated way but sometimes on the fly to save save your butt you know Mm -hmm. um this game will rely heavily on team play and voice chat so please mm -hmm. for everyone's sake if you're playing this game and don't have a headset please go buy one yeah yeah to save save the ire of your your teammates and the glee of your enemies by not communicating right the players in in my first few matches understood this and there was constantly Mm -hmm. like chattering about open lanes and rushing in um some players were confused running all over the map until others kind of had to gently remind them you know just slow down and you know remember just to hit fire and you don't have to ads like we always do in call of duty and right and there's even this one time this guy on my team was talking to someone else and said oh you never played csgo before and then the other guy was like mm-hmm. oh yeah and then he, he he definitely modified his approach and we actually ended up winning the match after that nice um, yeah i feel like what i've seen from a lot of streamers has been especially on like the counter side or the defensive side people just like pushing out and being super aggressive playing it like it's sort of a run and gun fps like call like call of duty mm-hmm. um while this is still very much a tactical game you know i think it's probably just because there isn't a rank system out yet that people are taking more risks and trying to get more of a thrill but uh, i'm sure we'll see so more of like the conservative gameplay style of counter-strike players at when this does kind of turn into a competitive ranked uh, system. Yeah. And the map design is, is straight out of counter-strike with lots of boxes and blind corners. Mm -hmm. Um, There's even one map has a one way portal offered to each team, um, which kind of expands the options a bit. And, and again, this, this isn't built for that immersion. This is, is built for sport to be honest. And, Mm -hmm. and even the art style is, um, pretty simple i mean the characters that we're going to get into here shortly um they're pretty much right in line with the expressiveness and style that you kind of see in the league of legends cha- uh, champions mm-hmm. um they're a little bit more bland of course compared to like overwatch you know with its mech pilot hamsters and and gorilla <laughs> soldiers but but in, in a match i think they're also pretty distinctive and easy to spot which also helps you out in terms of playing against specific champions Mm-hmm. And um, do you mind mm-hmm. if we talk a bit about the map style? I know you mentioned that about Counter Strike, um, them being very similar in terms of lanes and boxes and things like that. Yeah. Um, did you notice at all that it seemed like enemies were? It was really easy for them to flank you when you were playing during your beta access. Yeah. So the maps they are all pretty small. I would have mm-hmm. to say um, Counter Strike at they're probably a lot bigger in Counter-Strike. Um, where this game, they it also kind of breaks up lanes. Counter-Strike is very based on those that three-lane system. Mm-hmm. Where this one does not have the traditional three lanes. It's portals and, and back alleys and all these hidden yeah. spots and windows you can jump out of to one lane to another. And um, also with the way the game starts, Counter-Strike, you are in place in your spawn. Where in this game, you have boundaries during the mm-hmm. buy period. So 
in some maps, if you go mid, you can get right up against that that boundary, and so can the opponent on the other side. And as soon as those boundaries uh, drop, you can get a kill. You're that yeah, you're close right to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I th- I think it's going to take some getting used to to kind of get mm-hmm. that three lane system out of my mind. Um, but yeah, I think just adding that extra option and cautiousness of you know we could get flanked um, right we'll have to you know increase team strategy yeah and i think like you were saying what the the big difference is at least from what i've observed is that in counter-strike the maps are at like a vertical level much longer like if you think of dust 2 that is a map that pretty much everyone knows yeah you have these very three very long vertical lanes and what I noticed about the maps in Valorant, at least from my perspective, is that they seem to be almost like squished together. They're like, they're more compressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone leaves one of those lanes open, it's very easy for them to quickly get behind you. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. In terms of some other cool uh, differences or additions, obviously there's kind of like a bomb site diffusal or uh, planting and diffusal dynamic that the game centers around. Um, we know that bomb diffusal for Valorant takes about 45 seconds to detonate which is five more seconds than CSGO. And it takes about seven and a half seconds to diffuse. Um, the key difference here is that there aren't diffuse kits. Um, but what you can do is you can like diffuse the bomb halfway and get off the bomb and come back and pick up from your like halfway point, which I think was cool. Right. I did notice um, that a lot of my weapons looked the same. I couldn't <laughs> really easily tell the difference between the SMG and the assault rifle. And I even kept picking up the wrong guns. Um, and some like the wrong moments during the game. And I think this is something that will likely get easier over time, but I think riot Mm -hmm. could definitely implement a few like simple design tweaks to definitely make the guns a little bit more distinctive. Yeah. I noticed that too. It looks like everything had like a suppressor. Yeah. Even if it's just like the the barrel of a gun. So I was a little confused about that too. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you like the buy, the buy menu? Yeah. So the buy menu is, pretty simple and i think that's what you need in a game like this just you know what you're gonna buy just open it up click the gun and that's it Mm. especially when you're buying for your teammate you don't have to worry about buying it and then dropping it and then buying your gun again you can just click the the wrong thing or the wrong thing yeah so and i've done that before i bought the wrong gun and because i can't tell them apart and i can just sell it back and get my money back i don't have to worry Mm. about oh well now i'm stuck with an lmg for this round (laughs) right yeah um, and from what I can tell from the game and from what the developers have said is that the spray patterns of the guns are very similar to those of CSGO. Um, did you notice any differences uh, between the spray patterns? Um, so the spray patterns, I think, were a little bit less exaggerated in this game. Mm-hmm. Counter-Strike is, is very difficult to get a spray pattern down, where this one... Um, if you just do, you know, a simple pull down of your mouse, I think you'll be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I used, I didn't use a lot of heavy guns like light machine guns or anything like that. Mainly just the regular sub and the, and the AR. I did not try sniping. Um, mm-hmm. and again, the ADS, it doesn't help you in terms of spray. Your spray is the same, whether you're hip firing or if you're aiming down sights, Mm-hmm. The only thing is it might give you a little bit better of a of a viewing like model because it does zoom in a little bit right. and um you can just see the Seems opponent more preferential better. than anything. Right. And so yeah, it's not a huge advantage, really not at all. Um so I, I try to stay away from that ADSing mm-hmm. when I can. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the the CS:GO pros that I've watched play Valorant have all kind of sort of decried the mm-hmm the aiming down sight because it doesn't really add an advantage. And if you're used to playing CS, you should be used to be like hip firing like that. Right. Um, the one thing that, it, that it seemed like from watching the streams too, is that it doesn't rely so much on your team having like ARs and snipers, like counter-strike does. Like if your team has an op, which is obviously the dominant sniper in CSGO, they're going to really dominate the match. Um, Whereas like the submachine guns and even some of the pistols in Valorant um, seem like they gave you a little bit more of a leg up than say like the silenced MP5 in Counter-Strike or like an MP9 or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think 
Valorant's significant difference between, mm-hmm. you know, Overwatch and Counter-Strike definitely comes from its slew of characters. You know, as each player must choose I think, one of ten heroes at this time um, mm-hmm. before a match, and and we'll get into them. Each each comes with four abilities that can, of course, be triggered in the course of a match. Um, I think the characters are otherwise, they're pretty much identical in speed, um, like gun selection, like all of their like apparent attributes, they're all the same. Even like hitbox registrations, I think is all the same. Um, and again, the main um, difference between this game and Overwatch's characters is that these abilities do not recharge in the course of combat. Um, right. Which is and- a big thing. You're also not allowed to change characters, I believe, right? Between rounds, like once you pick somebody for a game, you're stuck with them. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have uh, we have four classes of agents, as they're called in Valorant, um, or you know, akin to heroes in Overwatch. Um, so you have your duelists, which basically are the ones that push forward into conflicts with enemies. These are kind of your attackers, um, the ones that make themselves more advantageous in a gunfight. Um, you have your initiators. These guys kind of focus on gathering intel and helping the team push. Um, sort of like good entry agents. Uh, we also have sentinels. These are your defenders who are usually playing the back line, helping your teammates in more of a support role. Uh, this is where the one healer in Valorant comes into play, Sage. She's a sentinel. Um, and then the last group are called, called controllers. So these are good at blocking off lines of sight and offering support in that way. Um, so I've definitely got my eye on a few. I know that Rays, who's like the explosives expert in the duelist category has drawn some criticism from people, uh, over her rocket launcher, which people are calling broken, but were there characters that stood out to you, Kyle, or ones that you played that you really enjoyed? Yeah. So my first game in, I played as Brimstone, which is, um, one of those controllers, so he pretty much can can smoke off an area of the map with his sky smoke or his ultimate is like mm-hmm. this orbital strike, which pretty much is like a just beam of energy in an area that will kill anyone that's inside of it. Right. Um, I didn't really... Much c- like uh, Doomfist Meteor Strike if right. you're a mm-hmm. watch player. Yeah, I didn't really care too much for his. Um, I actually got stuck with him because everyone else got chosen before I could pick my hero. Um, but his, his play style doesn't really line up with mine. I do like to be a little bit quicker. Um, I, I really like recon type things or just, mm-hmm. or just have, um, just access to mobility where brimstone, he is just required to, like you said, control. He's good at blocking off lines of sight and he mm-hmm. offers support. He puts on these smokes, he puts on these orbital strikes and his other thing is just like a stim beacon, which just increases rate of fire, which in a game like this, I think the slower the rate of fire is actually the advantage. Sure. Cause you, you better control, control your, your gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I didn't really care for brimstone. And I think when I was playing with him, I, I rarely use his abilities because again, it, it didn't match up with my games, my gameplay. Sure. Yeah, the one the one that I really enjoyed watching pros play with was Sova. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a master archer, much like Hanzo from Overwatch, and he's a really good recon player. He's just got this pilotal, pilotable recon drone that he can use to like tag enemies. Um, he's got a shock and recon bolt. The recon bolt basically shows enemies within the range of his like beacon that sends out these waves. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, a really cool combination of abilities with these players. Um, I feel like we'll probably see some that become more common in pro compositions, you know, when this does become a competitive game. Um, for instance, I feel like you'll see Sage a lot in pro comps, pro compositions, because she's essentially the only healer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also has uh, like a resurrection ultimate which will heal a dead ally um, a bit like mercy in overwatch. Yeah. Um, are th- there, are, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think there definitely needs to be a Sova on your squad. Um, just again, because of those, those recon bolts are so useful in the game. Yeah. Um, and, and again, with, with counter-strike, you don't have to worry about having, 
this cohesive unit. But in Overwatch and in, in, in Valorant, you do. You you need to have players that can defend, that can you know flank or block off lines of sight, and you need people that can either heal you or gather intel and, and help the team make the right yeah. decisions. Um, yeah, totally. And I feel like on a competitive roster, you obviously have people who have better gun skill. Mm-hmm. So you, you obviously have agents that are more suited to their abilities, whereas you might have someone who's better at the sort of tactical support role, knowing when they need to be places to help their teammates. So um, it's going to... I feel like play to a team's roster strengths better than, you know, five evenly matched character models in a CSGO game. Yeah, and then for the closed beta, five characters are unlocked for all players by default. And I think mm-hmm. this is what's going to carry into the regular game as well. And the additional characters can be unlocked by earning um, experience points, which mm-hmm. is just what you earn by just playing the game. Yeah. Um, which is going to be nice. And although the games right now, the closed beta does include real world money purchases. The developers have come out and said that the heroes cannot be purchased this way. So Got it. for right now you can just buy just to use them during the beta, but in the real game, mm-hmm. you can't just buy a character with real money just because you want to have them. Sure. And from what I understand that you were telling me, it seems like, uh, the download for the beta was only something like 16 gigabytes. Was that right? Uh, no, it was about four gigabytes. Four gigabytes, even better. Yeah. Um, which is very refreshing given the size of, if you're playing Call of Duty right now, you know what, you know, let alone downloading the game, but even its updates mm-hmm. uh, involved. So uh, very friendly on your PC. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, another thing that I thought was really cool was how much the minimap comes into play mm-hmm. in Valorant. Um, so obviously in Counter-Strike Global Offensive, you have to use your console to basically make any edits to your minimap to really make it, um, to really get all you can out of it. Um, but the minimap in Valorant seems like it was made for these competitive gamers and to use the minimap as sort of a, an asset in your gameplay. Um, so it basically shows you your line of sight so that you know when you've cleared a corner, really leaving you no doubt about that sort of stuff. Um, but it also shows you the effects of your agent's abilities. Um, so for instance, there's this agent called Breach. He's one of those entry players. Um, I believe he is, uh, the class is called initiators, those that kind of help your team push into it. Uh, an area and he has this ability called fault line which basically is this like straight line earthquake effect and you can see the area that it's going to inflict the damage on on the minimap before you even call in your your ability Hmm. um so the minimap is not as like passive as you i guess you might call it in counter-strike it kind of helps you um get a leg up on the competition yeah i think the whole game i said right now is is pretty great and mm-hmm. i really hope that more people through the next few days get the option to play it early and i know riot has said that they're going to try to come out with expanding the servers and getting more yeah. more bandwidth so people that um, haven't been able to play can have the option to play they are mm-hmm. um releasing a ranked mode in the beta um in the next couple it's weeks great. and that pretty much hints to that this beta is going to be around for a while. I saw a few reports mm-hmm. that this beta might even go all, might run all the way until the game's official launch. Um, yeah. This summer. I have to say they seem to be doing everything right in terms of catering to competitive gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think, you know, you build up a lot of the hype with this closed beta, you know, drop access. Um, you provide this long beta period for people to really get jazzed about the game. Um, and the ranking system itself is enough to really endear the game to big time competitive players because I know a big source of our criticism for Counter-Strike, which is a game we grinded pretty heavily for a while in a competitive capacity, is that the ranking system is just like, it's not clear how it works. Um, you're not able to see your progress, but those are all things that Valorant has basically promised um, in its ranking system mm-hmm. uh, upon release. Yeah, and I hope that kind of gives, like I said, the player base 
a little bit more enjoyment in the game because yeah. it, nothing's kind of worse than playing a game, which we all play because we want to have fun and we enjoy playing with our friends. But when it's not mm. rewarding, it's just hard to continue to play that sure. game. And that's kind of where a few games in the past for me have kind of dropped off. I know PUBG was one. Counter-Strike kind of became that same thing because you're playing, you put so much time in and you're not being rewarded. You don't know what's going on. You don't know when you're going to rank up. You don't, <laughs> yeah. like you're not getting anything you'll rank for down. your time or when you're, yeah. Or when you'll rank <laughs> down, there's, there's no way to know. And I think with this new system coming out, um, it will definitely keep the competitive edge, which kind of leads me to a question. Um, what, how do you think counter-strike will fare once Valorant is released? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think one of the most telling things is you look at um, the ESL playoffs that are happening right now. For instance, uh, Fnatic and or Fnatic and Esports, I believe, are playing this morning to a tune of about 100,000 viewers. And Summit Wanji, who's a big-time CS player who's been playing the Valorant beta, had like 276,000 people watching his stream. Um, so I think it's definitely going to cannibalize some viewership from Counter-Strike. Although... I think Counter-Strike has lasted as long as it has because it has such a unique identity and it's always tried to stay true to itself, um, mm. if that makes sense. Um, so I don't think we'll see changes in terms of like, I wouldn't expect to see people flying around a map on Counter-Strike anytime soon, unless you're in like a private server. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. What What are your thoughts there? Um. Well, like you said, every all the all the streamers right now on Twitch that are playing this game so mm-hmm. heavily are either content creators, of course, or former CS:GO players or CS:GO yeah. streamers. So, um, for the past week, no one has been streaming Counter Strike at all, besides like the the matches that are going on. Right. Um, and I don't know if again it's the hype because of the beta and people are loving it, but there is some sort of a testament that this game has been out for four days now, five days. Mm -hmm. And, and these former CSGO players haven't even played CSGO They're They'll stream Valorant all day. They're not like, Hey, we're going to go back into play CSGO for a bit and we'll come back to Valorant tomorrow. They're playing Valorant all day, every day. Sure. I mean, it also seems like, so the the success of apex legends was basically because they paid stroud like a million dollars to play the game on release you Mm -hmm. know what it seems like valorant has done is they've really listened to competitive gamers you know what is frustrating about counter-strike what is frustrating about overwatch um and really taken sort of an iterative approach to building a game that really appeals to these competitive gamers um and throughout this whole process we've seen you know, for instance, the Thursday that gameplay was able to be released, we saw devs hop on with these streamers and, you know, sort of express their fandom for that streamer, but also kind of walk uh, viewers and audience members through different aspects of the game and talk about kind of their rationale behind certain decisions. And they're just, they're basically an open book, you know? So I think that sort of authenticity and that willingness to be really open about the process and not necessarily hold over people's heads or be like haughty about it has really endeared a lot of people to the game because there's nothing being withheld, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, um, this will kind of skyrocket in terms of esports, and, and if it does, where are we going to see like a new breed of players or do you think some current pros are going to switch careers yeah, I mean, there's definitely been the sort of the sarcastic jokes about washed up old pro players uh, transitioning over to Valorant. Um, but I, I really hope it blows up. You know, there's kind of a, with the effects of the coronavirus kind of decimating the following of the Call of Duty League, which was obviously intended to have like in person matches and this sort of franchise based uh, scheduling and gameplay, I think there's kind of a hole that something like Valorant can fill. Um, and it's a really nice change of pace from Counter-Strike. Like, don't get me wrong, I love watching competitive like ESL matches, but um, this game just 
it's hard not to watch and have a really good time and see that the players playing it are also having a really good time. So mm-hmm. um, I hope it explodes and I think it's time for something new. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about um, Valorant or did you want to move on to no, Call of Duty? No, I don't think so. So I think it was the day after the closed beta release. Am I mistaken on that? I'm not sure what you're about to say. <laughs> uh that season three of Call of Duty Modern Warfare was released. Oh, yeah. So I think April 8th. Yeah. So the closed, you know, two days, I think it was the sixth, Monday the mm-hmm. sixth, that Valorant came out. So yeah, two days later, um, season three, Call of Duty comes out. Yeah. So obviously, the first two seasons have been a lot of fun. To play, I think it was season two that saw the release of the Warzone game mode, um, Call of Duty's uh, new Battle Royale, um, and that was one of the main focal points of some of these changes in uh, season three. So obviously, fans had been de- begging for some different, um, basically, queue modes in Warzone. So we now see um, four-person s- squads and solos as well as they just brought back trios as well so there's a whole new uh, slew of ways that people are playing warzone yeah and this Um, and this new content is kind of adding a little bit to like the narrative arc i guess of the of the game mm -hmm. not that there really is one but you do see um alex come back as an operator character um so that's really cool from the campaign. And then we do see a few other weapons, the SKS and then the Renetti pistol. Yeah. So we had a few minutes not too long ago uh, to queue up in a private match to test out the guns, mainly because we haven't reached the point in the battle pass to unlock either of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the SKS, you have to get to battle pass tier 31 mm-hmm. and the Renetti is another tier. I'm not sure. Um, but what were your thoughts on the two guns? Yeah, so the SKS is is very powerful. It is a um, semi-automatic carbine, which hits very hard from close to medium range. It mm-hmm. has a few a few issues from long range. Um, so I don't know if you're going to plan on using this in Warzone. Maybe try to get the right attachments for it so that you can kind of definitely control your spray. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, w- I would not suggest using this as like your standard sniper rifle. Um, and even same for the pistol, the Renetti, it's pretty well rounded. It's a semi-auto nine millimeter pistol. Um, it does have very little recoil and you can control Mm -hmm. it very well. However, it does have an extended magazine in it by default because it takes at least five or six shots to kill someone. Yeah, yeah. I'd say from like close to medium range with the SKS, even with the suppressor on when you and me were running around, it mm. was like a one-shot headshot at least, and then like a two two shots to any part of the body um, to really register a kill. But uh, the SKS, it's kind of cool to see, was a very standard battle royale fare with PUBG mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and was one of the stronger weapons in that game. Um but I could definitely see, especially with the sawed-off stock, which is unlockable, um, be, becoming like a very mobile, medium to long-range multiplayer gun. Do you think that you'll use this um, in Warzone or multiplayer? Warzone, I think it's definitely a welcome addition. I mean, it's not in Warzone as of yet, to my knowledge. Um, Unless you have a loadout honest, drop. Yeah, it, but that's the thing. If I were to buy a loadout drop, I'd probably go for one of my heavier snipers like an AX-50 or the mm-hmm. HDR. Yeah. Um, if it was just a random drop that I found, I'd be pretty stoked. Um, but once I saved up enough to get a loadout drop, I'd probably go with something else. Gotcha. Um, mainly for the recoil issues at range that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that actually brings me to another change in Warzone. I know a lot of people were upset about the small amount of money it took to buy a loadout drop, um, which then gave you a very serious advantage in the game. And I think they've recently increased that to $10,000 as a whole. Yeah, this is the second increase. When it first came Mm -hmm. out, I think it was only 
like 6500 to buy mm-hmm. and then it went to 8000 and now we have it at 10000 sure i personally i don't know about you but i still feel like that's pretty low mm-hmm. um you know like if you were to drop and get in one gunfight say in a four person squad you'd probably have enough cash after looting whatever area you're in to buy, to buy a loadout drop um right i've seen some people suggest like twenty five thousand. that seems like a lot yes. yeah <laughs> but i think it could probably still be a little more balanced out well it's odd because it's it's ten thousand, but then you also get those random in-game loadout drops and a lot of times sure. when i'm playing i'll we'll get our money together we'll spend the ten thousand, and then three minutes later we're running across the street and the loadout drops right in front of us yeah. It's like, why did I just spend that much money on this thing if this one is right in front of me for free? Very true. And then there's obviously like the different tiers of loot boxes. So you could open a legendary loot box and have an overpowered gun for free too. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Um, so besides all those changes, we've also seen the return of a pretty classic map in Backlot, which you'd probably recognize from Call of Duty 4. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one that's very near and dear in my heart definitely brings back some memories um but we've also seen the addition of hovex sawmill and anaya incursion um so the hovex sawmill is more of what i'd probably call like a close to medium range map that's sort of based on the farmland uh ground war map and the area in the war zone map um and then the mm-hmm. anaya conversion incursion is also kind of a smaller version of the anaya palace map that's played on like larger team deathmatch team deathmatch formats. Yeah, and I again, everyone likes backlot. It is a staple from COD Four, um, mm-hmm. but the other two I was not very impressed with. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe because they're just new. I'm not familiar with them, but sure, it just seemed like there was a lot of frustration whether it was spawn issues or if you're playing mm-hmm. like hardpoint where the points were located in the map and. Um, maybe once they get a few like bugs worked out with them, they'd be more enjoyable. Um, but we do know that there's probably around a dozen more unfinished maps that are yeah. in kind of like the data mining that people have done. And mm-hmm. one of those is hard hat that will be coming later in the season. And I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Yeah. So that was a modern warfare three map, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was a really fun map. We also know that there's going to be a few operators coming out throughout the season. Um, one is called Ronin. One is called Iskra. And I think she is a, Iskra is a character from the campaign, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she is. Um, we're also going to see some changes to Warzone. So we know that there's a scopes and scatter guns, basically game mode to Warzone, which mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but it doesn't sound super fun. No. Um, basically just like snipers and shotguns. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's kind of a vague and more coming to season three. Um, if you were to guess what those war zone and more coming soon changes would be, what would you think they'd be? Well, I would hope they would be changes to the actual map in Warzone. Um, I, I've seen a lot of feedback from people that are saying they want the map to be smaller that they want there to be a little bit more fast paced um, Hmm. things going on. And that sort of rings a little bit true because I feel like there's some places I haven't even been to in this map. Totally. Yeah. hundred (laughs) percent. And I was like, well, I've never been there before. I'll stumble across something. And there's a lot of hidden things that I don't know if it's due to the map size, but I think they did they do need to keep it fresh and then rework it, whether to remove things or mm-hmm. just add add more things to go to. There's a lot of just openness, which um, is kind of unneeded. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely welcome, like, either another map or maybe, like, a Fortnite event where the map changes in some sort of way. Um, and you get these like different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to guess, just based off of what we know right now, I know that just going through like Reddit and Twitter, there are some, I wouldn't really call them like Easter eggs, but there's phones in different parts of the map that you can interact with. There's also like keypads that you can like enter numbers in, but um, they're not unlockable. 
there's yeah, even I, like a location near the prison where there's a vault kind of like apex legends season two had those types of vaults yeah so right I across a laptop that, in one game yeah yeah and definitely like, enter and, code but it wouldn't let you do anything right so to me that is probably the biggest lead that we have right now um so i'd expect maybe those open up or you're able to start like guessing codes mm-hmm. or you somehow find codes in some way and that kind of changes up the map too um hopefully it doesn't get too complex where it yeah. takes away from the actual gameplay mm-hmm. um because just good old-fashioned battle royale scavenging for guns and and being the last alive is is fun enough i think totally um and hopefully some gulag changes come as well right and the one big question mark in my mind is obviously the stadium in warzone is a big focal point it's like dominates the center of the map and it's a really huge location but you're not able to go inside mm-hmm. um, so i would think at some point that that stadium would probably become interactive in some way i think that would be cool too yeah like maybe be able to like open up the the roof or something mm-hmm. open and close it yeah if you can. like a retractable dome roof mm-hmm. yeah that'd be cool yeah it is just kind of there for no reason yeah again just taking up this expansive space and you can't even do anything with it yeah there's a few vehicles and a few like supply boxes but besides that it's pretty sparse you know right i think overall season three has been pretty great it just started a week ago but i like the battle pass i like the new camos that are coming out i like the challenges that you do a lot of the operators are having um more skins and i think that's always cool to kind of keep it fresh and people like to buy those things and i'm sure activision is happy with that as well yeah i i do like the level of customization you can bring to the operators um Mm -hmm. and the different challenges that are associated with them i know at this point for the new operator alex you've actually unlocked his like uh military working dog Mm -hmm. yeah and i was looking at it and it's actually i don't know if you played call of duty ghosts but it's riley who is kind of Almost like in Grand Theft Auto, you have a dog that follows you around. Right. Riley is the dog that follows you around in Call of Duty Ghosts. So, um, isn't that it's cool. Ghosts' is real name? Riley? Simon Riley. That's Ghosts. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah. yeah. And he was obviously a big focal point of last season. Yeah. Well, I will cool. say the, the one thing I noticed about season three and with the seasons in the past is the amount of production value they put into the little mini clip. Uh, that kind of introduces you to the new season yeah that's unskippable yeah that's unskippable <laughs> and seemingly doesn't have any purpose except to like kind of hype people up mm-hmm. right um i wonder if they're going to connect those at any point yeah that'd be cool and and with all the changes we we're still also getting new special op missions mm-hmm. and those definitely have their own narrative as well if you play them in order it's pretty much like a second campaign mm-hmm. um so that'd be cool i don't i don't think you've really played a whole bunch of them um but it's fun yeah i played one they're super hard <laughs> it's they hard, are hard for me yeah. to do pve like that because mm-hmm. uh, it, it is a little rage inducing yeah um but especially if you have like a group of four i know we tried to play with two randoms before and that wasn't really fun mm-hmm. um you probably have better success playing with a full squad right um the one thing i did want to just touch on is you brought up the fact that there are still a lot of maps in sort of the metadata in the game um and obviously alongside the season three launch there's been news that they're going to be remastering the campaign for call of duty modern warfare 2 and people with that were speculating that they're going to do like a remastered multiplayer version because modern warfare 2 is pretty highly regarded as probably the best call of duty in the franchise Mm -hmm. um but i can't remember if it was activision or infinity ward somebody came out and basically said that they're not going to be doing a remastered version of the multiplayer but in call of duty modern warfare they're committed to bringing back some classic maps um 
so that was vague, but I don't know about you. I took that as like, we'll probably see some Modern Warfare 2 maps in the near future in this game. Yeah. No, I think... I really hope that they keep incorporating older maps. I think that is what people want. They want to play maps that they've played in the past and that they enjoy and that they know. And mm-hmm. um, some of the newer maps, again, like the ones that we have in this update, they're just not really hitting the right notes for a lot of people, us included. Right. And if you know they have these maps in some sort of design functionality somewhere, and you just got to, you know, maybe up some rendering and get some resolutions and get some things like that fixed for this more modern game. But I really do hope that they they bring a lot of old school maps into this game. Yeah, because when I first dropped into Backlot, when I played um, you know, my first game on the new one, it was hardly recognizable. But um, you could tell they put a lot of work into sort of modernizing the map and it was a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. uh, people are nostalgic and... You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, again, we are kind of recording these as we do them. So we just want to have a bunch of content ready for you all listening when you need it, when you want it. Um, so That's right, because we know you can't go anywhere. <laughs> right, you're, <laughs> you're stuck. So You have to listen to us. <laughs> yes. Um our next episode, which we're going to record here, probably come out in a day or so, depending on when you're listening to it, is going to be Netflix's The Platform. And from what I've been seeing, people can't really decide if this movie is the best or the worst quarantine movie. Um, so definitely stay tuned <laughs> for that. We will get into that um, next episode. But for now, we will talk at you next time. See you then. Bye.